All right, we want to take a break now to thank one of our sponsors here. You know, we only like to promote and talk about products that we genuinely love here. And here on the podcast, we love our bull and branch sheets. Uh, We've had them in our house more than a year. Jill, I know you have as well. Most, we are huge fans of bull and branch. And if you don't have bull and branch sheets already, what are you waiting for? It's a new year, new you, new sheets. And if all of you with your resolutions are working out, trying to eat healthy, give yourself the gift of some soft sheets. It's a New Year's resolution you can achieve. Bowl and Brand sheets get softer with every wash. We have a few sets here in our house. They're made with 100% organic cotton. They don't have those toxins, those synthetic pesticides, harsh chemicals that many other brands have. So they're especially good if you have sensitive skin. Moshe, that's a big issue in my house. The sheets are good for all seasons. They'll be great. They'll keep you cool in the summer. They'll keep you warm in the winter. And right now, we have a special deal going for the Mo News community. On your first order of Bowl and Branch, you can get 15% off. Just head over to bowlandbranch.com. That is bowl, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Use the promo code, what else? Mo News. Keep in mind, exclusions do apply. So see the site for details. Hey, everyone. It is Thursday, June 23rd. I am Moshe Wanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I am, of course, joined by my colleague and friend, Jill Wagner. Hey, Jill. Hey, good morning, everybody. And in case you guys did not know, we are currently in the presence of one of Brooklyn's 50 most fascinating people, Mr. Moshe Wanunu. Okay, Moshe, how did that come about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this Tell is a lot everything. of pressure. It's a lot of pressure being that fascinating, Jill. So Brooklyn Magazine uh, apparently puts together a list, unbeknownst to the people who are on the list. By the way, I'm, I'm holding up a copy here as we record of the uh, of the issue. Um, and it includes, you know, Br- Brooklyn's a good borough of a two and a half million people. Uh, the 50 most fascinating include artists, include entrepreneurs, include a man who describes himself as a wizard. And of course, yours truly. So uh, I was uh, surprised a couple mornings ago to wake up and find out I have made the list. It, it is quite an honor. I do feel like it is a lot of pressure, though, because you need to have, you almost need to have a crazy news fact or something ready anytime you meet someone new, because they're going to be expecting a lot. You're like, you can never just say, oh, hey, hey, nice to meet you. They're going to want <laughs> something. You got to bring it. It's- it's true. My my friends uh, were uh, writing me on text message, being like, "Wow, Brooklyn really has lowered its standards." Is it? Really- <laughs> I'm glad that you have friends though that are keeping you, uh, you know, down here on earth with the rest of us. I will say. Oh, oh, they've been doing that since the beginning of time. <laughs> okay, let's get to some news. Here is what we are following today. For the first time in 30 years, it appears that we are one step closer to major gun legislation in D.C. Some concerning news from the FDA regarding that baby formula investigation. Data from U.S. TikTok users going straight to China, according to a new BuzzFeed report. And if you think that you're burned out at work, your boss is right there with you. All right, let's start with that potential gun deal. It appears, again, we're one step closer to the biggest gun safety bill since the 1990s. This week, the U.S. Senate advanced a bill that would toughen federal laws and provide billions of dollars in new money to prevent future mass shootings after negotiators settled key disagreements. The latest moves in a rare endorsement from both party leaders. We're talking Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, and Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York. It puts this legislation on a path to be passed this month. Yeah, they go on their uh, summer recess, their summer break, Jill, uh, next week. So Shocker. it is. Imp- 
<laughs> it's what Congress does. They have to they have to take the vacation before July 4th and then after July 4th. But it is pretty I mean, listen, I think folks who have been pushing for some sort of gun legislation for a while would call this incremental, but incremental is sort of what Congress does. And this is if you look at the full scope of what the legislation does, the biggest gun deal since the 1990s as far as gun safety is concerned. So how did the breakthrough come about? You had 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats, an antiquated concept on Capitol Hill, bipartisanship, work out this deal. And then, of course, the Senate is pushing it through. It is a rare moment where Mitch McConnell, who speaks at the NRA convention every year, is endorsing a piece of legislation that the NRA opposes. Uh, the framework includes $15 billion in new federal funding for mental health programs, school security upgrades, a push towards uh, red flag laws in states. Now, it'll come down to the House. House Republican leaders have come out against this, uh, which means Pelosi will have to push through the legislation, mainly through a caucus. She's got a, a few seat majority, though I did find it notable that one House Republican uh, is in favor. Uh, the congressman is Tony Gonzalez. He represents Uvalde, Texas. Had a pretty powerful tweet. I posted on the Instagram account, and uh, it includes the following. He wrote the following. My name is Tony Gonzalez, and I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. My stepfather would come home drunk and beat on me and my mother. One night, he decided that wasn't enough and shoved a shotgun in my mother's mouth. I was five at the time and not strong enough to fend off the wolves. Uh, it's incredible Twitter thread, and this is a piece of the legislation which uh, closes the boyfriend loophole. And this has to do with domestic abusers not being able to obtain guns. I know there's a lot of people who see this legislation and feel disappointed one way or the other. Um, and Chris Murphy, the senator from Sandy Hook, he who was instrumental in getting this done, he talked about that. And he said, look, there's a lot of people this doesn't go far enough. There's a lot of people it goes too far. But we're doing something. And, and it'll just be interesting to see if they actually do pass this thing, how quickly they could get it to President Biden's desk. And of course, we'll be staying on top of all of it. Also happening in D.C. with gas hovering around all time highs, President Biden asking Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for three months until September. So right now that gas tax uh, is 18.4 cents per gallon for gas. 24.4 cents for diesel. The White House says the three-month hiatus would provide some type of breathing room for consumers. Yeah, I mean, this is controversial because Biden is asking Congress for this, and he doesn't even have the full support of Democrats in Congress. There's, you know, most people try to imagine, I've seen a political cartoon to, to this extent, that the president is just sitting at the desk in the Oval Office, and he has a lever that says economy and a lever that says gas prices, and he can just pull the lever <laughs> right. back and forth. And that is certainly not the case. The president is limited in terms of the impact he can have on gas prices. One is you know, calling up some reserves of oil from the strategic oil reserve. He tried that. That impacts by a couple cents. In this case, it's the federal gas tax. So when you pay five bucks a gallon or six bucks a gallon, wherever you are, seven bucks a gallon, some of you have sent me, 18 cents of that goes to federal gas tax, which goes to highways, et cetera. Um, Biden's approval level is the lowest level of his presidency, even lower than uh, Trump at some of his lowest levels. There's sky high inflation. So this is the White House just saying, we're trying. Yeah, I mean, there are economists who say it's going to actually make things worse. <laughs> it's going to increase demand, which is already a problem. You mentioned not even all Democrats are on board. A lot of Republicans are calling this a political stunt. One thing that I do want to mention, though, um, gas right now about four ninety six a gallon, according to the AAA, and that's down slightly 
as demand has dipped, you and I talked about this, I, I believe on the podcast, definitely in the newsletter, is is $5 a gallon perhaps the breaking point for, for drivers? It looks I, like maybe, although, you know, AAA saying that prices could go, go much higher than this. Yeah, I, I've been I've become accustomed to following all the gas and oil experts on Twitter and Gas Buddy. Uh, they have a couple experts over there. Some are saying five dollars is peak. Some are saying we could be seeing six dollar gas. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, a if somehow he was able to get a uh, federal gas tax lifted. You know, experts, some economists say this is subsidizing demand, right? We have a supply issue. And effectively, by making gas slightly cheaper, you're now making sure more people are going to buy gas, which then will increase prices. So you're completely negating the impact that you're trying to, um, the end result that you're looking for here. Uh, we also want to just do a quick little plug. You had a great conversation with Peter Greenberg on all things summer travel. We put it out in a podcast. It came out Wednesday I thought it was fascinating. He had the best tips for just navigating airlines, car rental companies, and when to actually get a deal this year. I loved how frank he was about the airline's stupidity. By the way, that's his words, not ours. And I just want to read this quote. He said, I think the airlines have always been stupid. That's the problem. It's true. They basically are revenue seekers at the expense of common sense. Yeah, Peter is certainly blunt, though I was even surprised myself. You know, I worked with him for 10 years at CBS News, and he would often get us in interviews with the CEOs of United, American, Delta. <laughs> so I, I, I would often assume, like, well, he's got to go soft on them, right, in order to preserve that relationship. And no, he's like, no, they do idiotic things. I tell them that. They appreciate that. And what was very interesting was, and if you listen to this uh, episode, this is the Airline Mayhem episode uh, we put out this week. He talks about how literally the airline CEOs are asking the federal government, please put new rules on us. Like, we don't know how to do this ourselves. Please make rules to make life easier on us, which is not typically something you hear from private companies. That's really fascinating. It's it's similar in some ways to the tech industry, right? Where Facebook and some of these big tech companies are saying the same thing to the federal government. Regulate us. Give us something so it's just doesn't fall totally into our lap to, to police ourselves. One other thing, though, that I wanted to mention that I thought was super interesting from your interview with Peter, he talked about part of the reason that we're in this mess in terms of the pilot shortage. And he said it's because airlines used to get their pilots from the Air Force, from from retired air pilots. And now the Air Force is training people to use drones not to be fighter pilots, which is a totally different thing. So you're basically starting from scratch. I, I never thought of it like that. And it's it's Really fascinating. I hadn't either. And he was talking about how United opened up its first flight academy. That like United is like, I'm going to train pilots. I had a friend growing up who went to University of North Dakota piloting school. It turns out that they have a very good flight academy there. One thing, by the way, going back to the whole discussion, Jill, of the airlines calling for rules and regulation, one of the reasons they want the government to put rules on them is because no one wants to go first. No one wants to impose restrictions on themselves that their competitors might not abide by. So they would rather have it come from the government so Delta knows that American, United, Southwest will all have to do the same thing. Very interesting. You really are the most fascinating, one of the 50 <laughs> most fascinating people in Brooklyn. I, I understand it now. I, 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 and I've only been here four <laughs> months, Jill. <laughs> 
All right. Some breaking news first reported by the Wall Street Journal last night. The FDA is investigating a new report of another child's death after consuming Abbott, Abbott Laboratories baby formula. The FDA said it learned about the death, which occurred in January from a consumer complaint it received a couple of weeks ago. The FDA said its investigation is still in the preliminary stages. It did not say which Abbott formula the baby consumed or where that formula was produced. Remember, late last year, the FDA investigated four cases of a bacterial infection in infants who consumed formula from Abbott's Michigan plant, and that included two babies who died. But they never ruled out this definitive link in that investigation. This is so heartbreaking, Mosh, um, because you're actually talking about babies that died from this formula. What, What do you make of this latest news? Yeah, I mean, that FDA investigation, which, by the way, you know, lasted months, they didn't rule a definitive link in or link out, no causal, they couldn't find a cause, but they found, you know, certainly there were coincidences. This is the plant, by the way, which is one of the reasons we have a shortage in this country. So this breaking news is is really striking, especially as the country tries to get back to normalcy when it comes to formula. So the FDA shut down the plant. Uh, initially because of what they found were unsanitary conditions. That included the presence of Chronobacter bacteria in an inspection over the winter. Chronobacter can be deadly to infants. Uh, This is the same plant where they produce Similac, uh, Elementum, Elecare. Abbott controls nearly 50% of the U.S. market. By the way, they tell the Wall Street Journal uh, that Abbott has been provided with limited product and clinical information to evaluate this case, but they will investigate it. And this comes, of course, so there was the initial investigation. Then the plant was shut down. Then it was reopened at the beginning of June. Then it shut down two weeks later because there was flooding from a storm. And now we have this headline. Yeah, and for anybody out there who's really interested in learning more about how we got into this mess in terms of not only the baby formula shortage, but also these tragic deaths, The Daily did a really good podcast at the end of May looking into the issue. And it's pretty alarming how few checks and balances there are in terms of baby formula. And Moshe, I just want to mention, it also comes as the White House announced yesterday that the largest shipments of baby formula to the U.S. to date are coming. It's part of this campaign to combat that shortage of formula. They're going to be sourcing 23 million eight-ounce bottles worth of formula from Mexico, Germany, and Australia between June 24th and July 5th. Yeah, Jill, so far the uh, Biden plan, the fly formula operation has imported 15 million eight-ounce bottles. Uh, They hope... Uh, by the end of June, they will get up to, uh, as you said, more than 20 million eight-ounce bo- bottle equivalents. And just to your previous point about the FDA, there are you know, continuing lingering questions as to how they might have taken their eye off the ball, uh, focused on COVID these past couple of years, and how they let this formula situation get out of control. And some of those complaints are coming from Biden and inside the Oval Office. All right, let's talk about some TikTok privacy concerns. A new report from BuzzFeed News says China's repeatedly been accessing data from U.S. TikTok users. TikTok is owned by the China-based company ByteDance, but they've insisted that information about U.S. users is stored in the United States, not in China. From the BuzzFeed report, quote, according to leaked audio from more than 80 internal TikTok meetings, China-based employees of ByteDance have repeatedly accessed non-public data about U.S. TikTok users, exactly the type of behavior that inspired former President Trump to threaten to ban the app in the United States. 
Mosh, this was a huge deal a couple of years ago. If you remember, President Trump wanted to ban TikTok. It never actually happened. And then you had all of these American companies, even Walmart, trying to buy TikTok from ByteDance. That never happened either. And finally, they made some type of deal with Oracle. TikTok announced they were starting to route American TikTok user data over to servers based in the U.S. by Oracle. Interesting timing. But let's back up here. As you mentioned, you know, we've been following this story for a couple of years now. So President Trump had these concerns uh, and issued an executive order forcing ByteDance, TikTok's Chinese parent, to divest the company and sell off uh, the part dealing with Americans to a U.S. company. So you had Oracle, Walmart, a bunch of folks interested. Eventually, it looked like the Oracle deal would go through. But then Biden takes office and never enforces the order, which he's getting questions about. While TikTok never really did sell its U.S.-based assets, it discussed making uh, Oracle its trusted technology partner. And the deal seemed like it was on its last leg after Biden took office. He didn't prioritize it. But suddenly it reemerges a couple months ago in a, something called Project Texas. So this is TikTok and Oracle getting together and basically transferring American user data over to Texas. So you had, you know, the, the whole deal with Trump, then Biden ignoring it, and then some sort of deal coming through and a transition here to Oracle's servers. I hate to say it, but I, I'd file this whole story under the least surprising news of 2022. I mean, China's an authoritarian country that has 24-7 digital and camera surveillance and monitors its own people. Just think about all of the draconian COVID lockdowns that we had just seen, where people literally couldn't leave their house. Imagine if that happened in the U.S. This is a country where people complained about wearing masks on an airplane. Um, the relationship between Chinese, the Chinese government and the Chinese companies, by the way, also not the same as the relationship between private businesses here in the U.S. and the U.S. government. So private businesses in China, of course, have some autonomy, but the Chinese government really has the final say. Just look at what happened to Alibaba and the Chinese tech sector recently. So there is cause for concern. But I think the much bigger question here is whether any TikTok users actually care about this stuff. And my guess would be no. No, you might you might hear you know people deleting it on the edges. And I think that was, to a certain extent, what was going on. Um, a couple of years ago when Trump was saying, you know, beware of what the Chinese government could do. You know, it's pretty clear that you've handed, we've all handed a lot of our information over to Google, to Apple, to Facebook, uh, to AT&T, to Verizon. I mean, there's a dozen or so companies that know almost everything about you. You know, even the ads that you get, um, and they're using it for marketing purposes, for ad purposes, and they're monetizing you to a certain extent. I guess there is the concern, though, that the Chinese government could use your information for something much more nefarious than pop-up ads uh, or Instagram ads that suddenly are like, wait, I was talking about that. How did Alexa know? <laughs> um, and so, you know, the Chinese government is known for disinformation, not misinformation, disinformation, which is like actively using bad information against you. And they've been linked to things like, I don't know if folks remember this, but there were text threads that went around at the beginning of COVID two years ago where, you know, my friend's dad in the military says there's going to be martial law. Well, that was actually, some of that was linked to a Chinese disinformation campaign, them using your data, your cell phone information against you. So, you know, I, I think that the most TikTok users are probably going to be like, no, TikTok, I really enjoy it. It's a great escape. And so what? Everybody has my information anyway. What could the Chinese do with it that is worse than Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, Sergey Brin? Or whatever. But it, this whole thing does remind me of what uh, Ian Bremmer, who's a, 
uh, head of the Eurasia Group. We did a newsletter with him a couple of weeks ago for the Mo Newsletter, Mo News Newsletter, and he was basically saying that the U.S. and China are like two divorced parents with joint custody over the world, just trying to play nice with one another for the sake of the kids. I loved that analogy. I thought I thought it was great. All right, let's do a little speed read now. This from Politico, the January 6th committee is extending the timetable for its public hearings into July. Chairman Benny Thompson telling reporters that today's hearing focused on former President Trump's pressure on the Department of Justice will be the last for the month of June, with more hearings to come after Congress's July 4th recess. The House will reconvene the week of July 11th, and Thompson indicated that that's the earliest hearings will resume. So the understanding, the preliminary schedule that was put out, Jill, they were supposed to have these hearings in the summer and then a couple scheduled for the fall. What Thompson is saying is that new evidence keeps coming in, uh, a documentary they didn't think or they weren't aware of with hours and hours of footage has been handed over by a British documentarian who happened to be in the White House with Trump shooting a whole thing throughout the fall and through January 6th, and they'll be going through that footage. They've also set up a tip line, apparently. They're getting information via tip line, the January 6th committee is. So they've decided uh, we're getting so much, we do need to have additional hearings here in July. Okay, from The Verge, the Obamas head to Audible. After their split with Spotify, the Obamas are taking their podcasts to Amazon's Audible. The Obamas production company, Higher Ground, and Audible announced this multi-year first look deal. And this is a big get for Audible, better known for audiobooks than podcasts. According to The Verge, the Obamas were reportedly frustrated by the limitations that came with making shows like the Michelle Obama podcast and Renegades Born in the USA for Spotify. They had these months-long exclusivity windows, and the split, apparently mutual. Yeah, the Obamas were frustrated, but so was Spotify. Um, Spotify was hoping the Obamas, for the amount of money they were paying, would do more episodes, and they only got like a dozen out of them. And so the Obamas are frustrated because they didn't want their content only on Spotify. They wanted it everywhere, and they were getting the sense that people weren't hearing it. And Spotify's like, we're paying you a lot of money for this exclusivity and for more stuff. And so clearly they split up. Um, apparently, um, Audible costs uh, seven ninety five a month. It's not clear whether these shows are going to be behind a paywall, but you better bet that if Audible's paying tens of millions, they're probably going to put this stuff behind a paywall. And uh, it's very interesting watching all these podcast wars, Jill, which I hope at some point this podcast uh, gets to the point where there's a bidding war between Spotify <laughs> and Amazon over this program. I was going to say that. Spotify, if you're listening... You could pay us whatever you want and we'll be exclusive, okay? Just, <laughs> I, it's fine. And I'll add that in our first two weeks, we have almost done as many episodes as the Obamas did in a year. <laughs> <laughs> but Spotify, I mean, Spotify spent a lot of money with like Joe Rogan, uh, Simmons, the Simmons podcast, Alex Cooper of Call Her Daddy, etc. So, um, you know, it's very interesting because all these uh, podcast companies are, you know, there was this huge jump to pay as much as possible for content. And now they're like, how do we monetize this content? How do we build viewers? How do we make money off all this? And that's kind of where we are in the state of podcasting right now. Also where we are in the state of podcasting, also from The Verge, Spotify trying out a new tool that will let users record, edit, and distribute podcasts right into the app. No word on the sound quality, but it's certainly going to make podcasting more accessible. So we're going to totally, have some more competition, Mosh. Uh, I, I can't wait. There's more than two and a half million podcasts out there, Jill. Um, so 
you know, the more the merrier. But I'm, I'm going to stick with our friends uh, Jeff and Kelly Dollar uh, <laughs> before I b- before I try our hand at just recording on the app I, itself. I think that's very smart. Okay, this from Axios. Even your boss wants to quit. There's this new survey out from Deloitte. It found that 70% of C-level executives say that they would seriously resign for a job that better supports their well-being. 76% say the pandemic's negatively affected their overall health. 81% saying that improving their own equilibrium is more important than advancing their career right now. Not surprising, women executives hit particularly hard during the pandemic and a higher number are job hunting or even stepping aside, which is a huge problem when you think about workplace culture. Well, I mean, women have been hit hard in all sectors at all levels um, by this pandemic. One of the reasons we do have a worker shortage in almost you know every major part of the economy is because women um, haven't been able to return to the workforce like they were pre-COVID. So as part of, so there's this Deloitte survey, there's a recent LinkedIn survey, by the way, that also found that mid-level managers and directors want a four-day work week, even more than their direct reports. The Deloitte survey, for its part, found that 57% of employees are fed up enough to quit as well. Um, they're, you know, the managers are trying trying to put policies in place that they say are, you know, going to better support mental health, no after-hours emailing, etc. By the way, you know, in in the U.S., we're sort of famous for this sort of 24/7 work philosophy, whereas in like Europe and other places, literally, it's the law in certain countries like France that you cannot email. Uh, people who work for you after uh, their work hours. Which sounds lovely. Uh, you know, we, you and I have joked about this. I, I guess technically, I guess you're my boss, right, Moshe? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> well, I, 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 I hope, Jill, that you're not, um, given that you're the one person who works for me right now. <laughs> so I that, better not quit. You know, I think that a lot of people, by the way, through this whole pandemic, were like, okay, I'm done working for somebody. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do my own thing. And if you look at like Google search data through the pandemic, we'd never seen a level of search data of like, how do I work for myself or how do I start a business? So a lot of people started businesses, but that of course is its own challenge, right? There's their own risks associated with it, even though you're controlling your own schedule. You're also controlling your own PTO. You're also, you're controlling everything, right? So, you know, I think that um, I'm going to be really curious to the permanent changes that if we talk 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what will be permanently altered by this pandemic? And will it be five days in the office? Will we be talking to our grandkids being like, there was a day when we used to go to the office every day? And they'll be like, what? And- the other thing is too, now we're about to potentially head into a recession. And so are, are the tables turning? There were a lot of employers have wanted workers to get back into the office, at least remote, at least you know a couple days a week. There's been a lot of pushback. But now that there's so many layoffs potentially coming and p- potentially the the employers are going to have the upper hand all of this idea of you know work life balance and which it seems so refreshing i wonder if it's going to stick around the deloitte survey has a lot of great uh, nuggets in it and one of the other numbers that i um, loved was that 91% of bosses see themselves as caring leaders 56% <laughs> of workers thought their bosses cared for their well-being. So slight, slight uh, dichotomy there. Cheers to the freaking weekend where we take a look at what we're watching, reading, and eating this weekend. Mosh, what are you watching? 
Uh, a couple things. One, uh, we have our tickets ready for the new Elvis movie, the uh, Baz Luhrmann musical. I think that includes our favorite actor, Jill, based on last week's podcast, Tom Hanks. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> oh, don't way, get me started. Just saying his name now makes me laugh. If 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 you have reaction to the Tom Hanks movie, don't tweet it at him because he's been off Twitter for a couple years, as we discussed last week. And Mosh, you have one that also does not involve streaming or electronics, right? It's about nature this weekend, Jill. It's about getting outside, particularly if you can get outside just before sunrise. So there's a rare uh, occurrence happening in the solar system right now where Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, five planets, have lined up in the early morning sky. And so you can see it just over the eastern horizon through the end of June. The last time this happened, by the way, was 2004. The next time this happens is 2040, nearly 20 years from now. So about 45 to 60 minutes before sunrise, cloud-free morning if you have it in the next week, just around 5 a.m. You should be able to see this without a telescope. But Mercury is going to be hard because Mercury is closest to the sun and sort of gets overwhelmed by the light there. But Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, go take a look if you're up particularly early in the next week. I never could see any of this stuff. I feel like I always I always want to. And then even if I go out and I look, I'm just, I don't know what's what. You're that person when you're pointing at the sky and like you're trying to point with your finger and you're like, no, is it that? No, go to the right. Okay, look at the tree. Now look straight up. We've all, we've all been in that situation. Yes, I, I am. Fortunately, I'm that person. So Jill, what are you going to be watching this weekend? I am going to attempt to finish Hustle with Adam Sandler. It's on Netflix. He plays a scout in the NBA. It's so good. I love basketball and, and I love Adam Sandler. And I, I unfortunately am just exhausted all the time. So I, I haven't been able to get through it yet, but it's awesome so far. And I cannot wait to finish it. Okay. What are we reading? I love this story in the wall street journal. Uh, the headline is what inflation the super frugal say they were made for this moment. So they take a look at a bunch of families and people who are like, I always prided myself on saving uh, money so I'm not worried about the recession because I do everything myself. So one of the families they focus on in the journal piece, if you have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal, is the family, the Shalito family. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Just outside Albany, New York, where they produce 700 pounds of produce every year from their vegetable gardens, eat it themselves, and they also pride themselves on, among other things, repairing their own roof, which saved them thousands, apparently. Okay, I'm going to be reading about the other 49 people who are Brooklyn's most fascinating to figure <laughs> out what I need to do to make a list like that. Jill, uh, it's time to nominate you to for one of the most fascinating people on Long Island. Um, okay, what are we eating, Mosh? My, my wife, Alex... Uh, is a big DIYer. And among other things she's been DIYing lately is popsicles. Uh, so she's been making various recipes and I'll link to it in the newsletter on Friday for the this contraption, this plastic contraption uh, that she uses to basically make flavored fruit popsicles. In some case, she used a bit of our coffee that we hadn't drunk or whatever and put like a coffee flavored uh, popsicle that she made. It's delicious and I'm loving it and enjoying it. Okay, Mosh, you obviously have Alex and you guys are doing some organic, healthy popsicle thing. <laughs> I, on the other hand, have been very big into black and white cookies recently. So I'm going to be helping myself to a delicious black and white cookie this weekend. Jill, you're entering your ninth month of pregnancy, so you can eat whatever you damn well want. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Mosh. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and I will, by the way. 
Um, that is going to be a wrap on this edition of the Mo News Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'd love your feedback on how we're doing or just your thoughts on whatever we're covering. Email us at, oh my goodness, there's a new website. It's podcast at mo.news. Moshe, we're so official. I, uh, I've i spent a couple days now upgrading our email address uh, from our Gmail, which uh, some of my friends mocked. Oh, yeah, Gmail, how professional are you? I was like, no, no, hold on. We have podcast at mo.news, guys. So email us there. Uh, you know, help us. Uh, right now, the email box is empty. And you could also subscribe to the Mo News newsletter at monews.bulletin.com and follow Mosh on Instagram at Mosh, M-O-S-H-E-H. And don't forget, of course, to uh, subscribe or follow to this show on your podcast platform of choice and review us in the App Store. We got to keep our rating up on Apple and Spotify. And frankly, every show follow and rating makes a difference. Uh, We, of course, are on Apple, Spotify, a dozen other platforms. It takes a few days for some other platforms. Right now, we're looking at you, Pandora. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, Pandora, what's a a girl and a guy got to do to get on your platform? We're good enough for everybody else. (laughs) And I uh, should remind you, I'm I'm one of Brooklyn's most fascinating people. So maybe that'll put us over the edge. What do you think? All right. uh, Again, that's going to do it for us. Have a great weekend, everyone.